Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the series we're doing called Meals with Jesus. Um, mostly this series is us going through the Gospel of Luke together. Uh, the uh, Luke sort of records Jesus at meals throughout the entire Gospel. So from the time that it starts in... Uh, uh, you know, we, we've, we've seen him either on his way to a meal, uh, at a meal, or just leaving a meal, and pretty much throughout his ministry, that's how Luke records it. So he has this idea of meals being very central to the mission of Jesus and what he's come to do. And what I want you to see throughout is how Jesus will have a meal with anybody, um, and that, that, that extends to tax collectors, which were considered the worst of the worst, through uh, the Pharisees, the sort of very self-righteous group that's there, everybody in between. These meals are an incredible, incredible picture of the grace of God, the idea that Jesus, fully God, fully man, will sit at a table and have dinner with anyone is significant, as we've talked about, and what that means. We'll be talking about that more today. And um, I've just sort of told you this to kind of help you remember the ideas behind this series that before Jesus ever picked up the cross, he picked up a fork and things started changing. And I think there's so much that we can learn from what's happening with these meals and um, there's so much that points into all sorts of areas of our own lives that uh, I've, I've enjoyed embracing this series and we've still got quite a ways to go. Uh, we're going to be looking in uh, Luke 15, the first part of that. Uh, today together, and uh, I think it'll be very interesting. So that's my hope anyway. That's the intro. Transition, there's always a bad joke or two. Maybe you can help me with these. Got to thin these out before tomorrow. Uh, what do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? Irrelevant. Maybe that one will go. Irrelevant? No? Nothing? What do you call an aardvark? with three feet, a yard vark, three feet in a yard, nothing, really, nothing, really, wow, maybe this will be easy to thin out, what do you call a laughing jar of mayonnaise, L-M-A-Y-O, yeah, that'll be for the young folks, we'll keep that one. All right, maybe we'll get rid of the other ones and just keep that one. <laughs> Sorry. Scripture reading here on purpose. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 1 through verse 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So, um, here we have our old friends, the Pharisees and the scribes, who we've talked about quite a bit. And now they're muttering. 
Um, to mutter means to complain or to grumble aloud. And uh, they're muttering about the choice of Jesus' friends. They don't care for the people that Jesus likes to associate with. And, and it wasn't just a few of these people. Um, it, it, apparently, it was all of these people that were hanging out with Jesus. Uh, and um, that's what's going on because it says in there, um, the tax collecting sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Jesus was having a significant impact with this group of people that the Pharisees didn't care for at all. In fact, the Pharisees spent uh, an incredible amount of energy um, having nothing to do with these people uh, and making that a point of how they kind of lived their lives. They were considered unclean and to have anything to do with them would, would mess that whole deal up for them. And yet, if they wanted to spend time with Jesus, which they were drawn to, which is fascinating, uh, even when they were drawn to him because they wanted to find ways to ultimately have him killed, there was still something about him. In order to be around Jesus, they had to be around tax collectors and sinners. Fascinating when you think about it, what was going on. Remember who Jesus is and this dynamic and, and how everyone is drawn to him because he's Jesus. Um, but you watch this sort of tension that happens between the established religious community and the people that they're trying to keep out uh, actively who, who also want in. And, and so this, uh, this whole thing with Jesus is, you know, because they would sort of like to get Jesus, you know, aside from all these people and just kind of have theological debates. And that's not what Jesus wants to do. Jesus wants to hang out with these people that they want nothing to do with. And this whole process makes them like Jesus even less. Um, and, and so... And then, you know, I said this earlier, but you need to think about it again. Jesus isn't just tolerating tax collectors and sinners. He welcomes them. He eats with them. And table fellowship, as we've been talking about, particularly in, the, in Jesus' culture and time, implies way more than a meal. It's, it's really a welcome and a recognition of what was happening. And if you haven't made this connection yet, there's this great verse in Revelation 3.20 that, that I, I hopefully will we'll tie this in for you. It's Jesus uh, it's saying this in Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I hope you see the significance of a meal with Jesus. Because even the promise in Revelation, uh, and Jesus, you know, and, and many, many of you have heard that door about Jesus standing at the door knocking, and it's been used to go in a lot of places, but the result of that whole verse is, when you open the door, this is the picture, I'll eat with you, and you will eat with me. This idea of meals with Jesus is significant in, in what's taking place and what he's teaching us in the process. And this first part of Luke um, is, is also amazing. So the first thing that, that I want to talk about, first point in your notes, is the lost sheep. The lost sheep. Verses three through six of Luke 15, Jesus told him this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. So, so here's kind of what's happening on this, in this parable. The farmer uh, is, is probably, or the shepherd, is he's counting his herd at evening, um, as was customary. He finds one that's missing. Uh, and a hundred would have been a pretty normal size flock or herd for people at that point in time. So no doubt what happens is he leaves the 99 with somebody, with a helper, he had helpers, and he goes off looking for the lost sheep until he finds it. And, and 
I've heard this taught a lot of different ways, and just so that you know, we hang into it, there's, there's no blame being directed towards the straying sheep. Um, the emphasis is on Jesus seeking out something that's lost, finding it, and celebrating the discovery as a joyful event. So, so you, you may have heard a lot of different things about this parable, but the big part of this parable, what this is, is a picture of Jesus seeking what was lost, finding it, and celebrating what was happening. It wasn't picking on the lost sheep. And, and make sure that, that, you know, it's not Israel that's the, the lost sheep here. It's the tax collectors and sinners. They are the lost sheep of the house of Israel that Jesus is sent to. And that's who he's seeking out. And the established religious community is doing everything they can to stop it. They don't like it. That's not who they want at all. And that's all building up to this point. And then there's another part of the parable called the lost coin. Luke 15, 8 through 9. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. And so this is a companion parable. She has 10 silver coins. She misplaces one. She loses one. And um, if, it, if you know, just sort of think about what's going on there. At that point in time in, in culture, uh, many of the homes would not have had windows. Um, and so to search diligently, um, the woman would have needed to light a lamp and then she would have begun to sweep the house. Remember, uh, dirt floors, dusty, uh, and, and, you know, dust always kicked up in the process. Um, and so most likely she's, she's searching, she's sweeping the floor, moving dust, looking high and low. Finally there with the light being lit, she, you know, spots the glint of the coin, uh, in the flickering light and she reaches for it and she holds it. And she's so elated, she rushes out, she calls her friends and neighbors, come on over, we're celebrating my finding a lost coin. It was a big deal. Well, what these parables reveal about the heart of God, point three, is that this whole mission of Jesus is a search and rescue mission. Jesus has come on a search and rescue mission. And these parables reveal the heart of God as a searching father, looking for the lost, actively seeking them, and rejoicing when they're found. And, and it's an essential part of God's character, we have to make sure we don't miss, is about extending mercy to the undeserving. And, and not, a just, not just for people to kind of happen to stumble upon it, but it's an active program of seeking out the hurting and the oppressed, the blind, and the imprisoned. Uh, and, and that's what the heart of Jesus is all about. That's the heart of the gospel. The message of the cross is a message of active love. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus said this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And, and so, see, this is the heart of, of Jesus. This is his, his mission. Um, and, and as his disciples, it needs to be you know, our heart as well. The, it, we need to have the same type of passion um, for the loss that Jesus has and demonstrates over and over and over again. We need to make sure we don't become the established religious community that somehow puts a block between 
you know, the, uh, God and the people who desperately need him by, by being that, that critical group of judgmental people that, that people can't, you know, see the love of God through. Jesus' mission, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And that's still the mission. You know, he just gave it to us. He, he got things rolling and he gave it to us and he's with us and for us, but that's the heart of the mission. That's what this is all about. Point four, and you've heard this here and you will hear it over and over here again about our mission, one more. One more. Verse 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One sinner. They're rejoicing you see, rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, as we started our scripture reading today, um, we saw that what, what had been happening there is that Jesus has been condemned by the established religious community because of the fact that he receives sinners and eats with them. He, he welcomes tax collectors and sinners. He's welcoming people they consider unclean. They don't like him for it, and, and they, they're condemning. They, they were muttering. They were grumbling aloud. They, they don't like the fact that Jesus will have meals with them. They, you know, they, 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 they get that he will have a meal with them too, but he hates the, they, they hate this whole deal of, of Jesus doing that with these people that they don't want to be around. The very people that need desperately God, they don't want to have anything to do with. And, and what Jesus has done is, in hearing their muttering, their, their loud complaining, um, he's responded to them with these parables. And what he said to them is this, listen, when I do this, when I hang out with tax collectors and sinners, when I welcome them, when I eat with them, when they invite me to and I come, and we're, we're doing this together, when I'm having table fellowship with people that you won't even have anything to do with, this is what it's like. It's like a shepherd seeking and finding a lost sheep. And it's like a woman seeking and finding a lost coin. And they've just heard him say this, that the joyful celebration of the shepherd and the woman is a picture of the joyful celebration of heaven over one of those repentant sinners who's now eating with Jesus. That's what they've heard him say. They get it. That's what the parables were all about. He's heard their grumbling and he's answering them with these lost Pictures and parables. And, and you know what always amazes me, what overwhelms me about the love of God, when you think about God and who he is and his majesty and his holiness and, and uh, you know, his uh, universal power and greatness, uh, how he astonishingly cares for individual human beings one at a time. That always overwhelms me. The heart of God for one. The heart of God for you, the heart of God for me. Not just in mass, not in groups. And this is what Jesus is saying. You know, in the, in the picture, there was one sheep. There was, there was out of a hundred, there was one coin out of ten. And, and here's, you know, God with a, with a universe to, to run, galaxies to uphold, and, and, and atomic particles to manage, and, and governments to rule in his providence. And yet, you know, the, the Bible is so cool in, in that it doesn't say much about those things, but it tells us, you know, it's, it doesn't say it rejoices, you know, heaven's rejoicing over the orbits of the stars or the rise of kings. But, uh, and, I'm, and certainly God takes pleasure in those things. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, the, there's a big, you know, there's a lunar eclipse tonight and all that, that God takes pleasure in those things. But Jesus says there's something special 
in these parables, when one sinner repents, there's a special joy in heaven. There's something special about somebody figuring it out and making their way into the kingdom of God. There's something that that touches off a party in heaven. There's something that happens. When you came to know Jesus, there was something that happened that set off. Do you ever think about that? You set off a celebration in heaven at the point in time when you came and said yes to the Lord. And each time someone else comes, there's a special joy in heaven that that only happens when that happens. And so that, you know, that's why it it needs to be a part of our, our, our being that, that we want to live in such a way that, that, that people keep making that step because it pleases God. You know, God, God rejoices. Angels rejoice when a sinner repents. There's, there's a celebration for every victory, for every person, you know, in jeopardy who's being rescued. And, and, and this happens, you know, one by one, person by person, name by name. It's the heart of God for humanity, for all of us. Now, in that whole parable, there's something that's mentioned, and it's the idea of repentance. And repentance is, is a turning from sin to embrace Jesus, to embrace Christ as, 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 you know, as, his, as God's all-satisfying manifestation into the world. That, that, that this repentance must take, it's in the parables. But, but I want to make sure that you see that, that, you know, that our part is certainly to turn to him and away from the things that we were doing, to come to that spot in life when we realize that we're not good enough in our own, that we're not going to make it in our own. But, but never to think that it's, it's always only up to us. That, that, uh, that what we see at the table is Jesus receiving sinners and eating with them. He's not waiting for that moment for them to turn. He's meeting them where they're at to help them in the process of realizing their need for Jesus. We're not alone in this whole process. He's, he's taken this bold initiative to reach out to us in Christ. And, and you know, even today, if you're here and you, you haven't yet gotten to that point where you've made that connection, um, that, that, that's his reaching out to you today. That, that God is, is here and, and he's, he's speaking and, and he's saying, you know, come to the table. Re- repent. Open your eyes and see that, that the banquet of being with Jesus is worth more than anything that the world has to offer. And, and that's, that's re- our hearts. That's repentance. It's saying yes to him. It's saying, God, you, I, I want to be in relationship with you. Jesus, I, I don't want to continue to do. There's nothing out there. I want to follow you. And, and he meets us there. He's knocking at the door of our hearts. Open the door. Come in. Guess what? We'll share a meal. I'll be with you. You'll be with me. And that's the heart of the gospel. And, and, and you know, my heart is seeing this and, and, and knowing where you're at uh, with him. Um, you know, rejoice in the fact that, that if you're a believer in him, that, that, that you've touched off a party in heaven and he still rejoices over you. And, and he's with you and for you and he knows you by name. And it was all about you and always will be all about you in his eyes. And if you don't yet know Jesus... There's nothing better. It's just that, it's just the realization that there's no better way. There's no other way. And, and I, you know, all you got to do is say yes to Jesus. It's not a long, drawn-out thing. It's not a, 
It's just a, Lord, um, you know, I'm a mess. I'm broken. I've sinned. I've fallen short so many times. But, but you invited me still. And so, Lord, I, I accept the invitation. Forgive me for this mess. And, and Lord, help me to live for you. Jesus, would you be my Savior and my Lord? And that gets the process started. So, you know, if you've never, if you've never done that, do that today. A little prayer just like that gets everything going. And he'll meet you there. And if you've already done it, rejoice in the fact that he's sought you. And now that you've found him, he's with you and for you and will be forever. And that's wonderful and great news. But that's good for uh, this part of it. We're going to look at the rest of Luke 15 next week. And I think you're going to, if you, that's a, that's a very well-known um, parable of, uh, it's called the lost son, the prodigal son. But it's really all about the, the amazing heart of the father. And we'll pick that up next week. That's good for tonight. If you're watching my video, we're so glad that you did that. Come and see us whenever you can. If you need prayer, go to the website. We will pray for you. But there you go.